Hey everyone, welcome back to the Invincible Innovation Podcast, the podcast for changemakers and innovators shaping the future of our world. I'm your host, Adima Zolkario, product design and AI expert, and in this episode we discuss conversational AI and the art of creating seamless human interaction for AI systems. Join us as we delve into this fascinating talk, and I have this very great guest. Hi, Celine. Hello, nice to chat with you. I'm so happy that you're here. Celine Osika is a conversational AI and customer experience expert. And I'm very enthusiastic about our talk because um, in the past, as part of what I've been doing, I I've, I've, uh, was a Google developer expert for the assistant. So I've done lots of workshops for designing AI system and designing conversations. And I'm so eager to hear where it sits right now with all these advancements, with the GPT and everything. Uh-huh. So now we can start. We're live on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook, and you're so invited to join the discussion. And now we can start. So how has Gen AI and ChatGPT especially changed the conversational AI industry? Yeah, it's a, it's a, very, it's a whirlwind of right, what's happened in the last year or two, I would say. It's um, definitely made everybody curious. A lot of the enterprise companies that we're dealing with are all interested to hear more, and they all want to see how all, of our, all the companies they're working with are planning to use um, Gen AI and the functions that they're working with. So I would say generally, um, yeah, there's a lot of interest. It's just generated so much interest and so much um, uh, just talk about it, right? Whether they, a lot of companies may not know exactly what they are asking about, <laughs> if that makes sense, yeah, right. but they generally want to know, you know, what are you doing? What is, what is the, how are you shaping the world? So there's yeah. that, but generally I think it's made more things more, um, it will, I mean, as we grow into it more and we develop it more, it'll make things more fast, um, easier, innovative, you know, that piece, I think when it comes to designing these products, when we're talking about conversation AI, it is going to make things um, a lot less heavy lifting for um, the manual effort. You have a lot of reliance on the the automated part of the bots to be able to generate a lot of this for you. But with that, with giving controls over to something that may, you know, is the more automated you make something, the more testing, the more rigorous, um, uh, you have to monitor it more, right? It's just going to become yeah. a lot more um, vulnerable to uh, risks and a lot more open to um, things that you may not foresee happening. Like things like right. prompt injections are happening. I see on some bots, right? If you don't protect them with these guardrails, right? So there's more, I think needs to be more consideration built into that as we so faster, innovative on one side, but then with that needs to be taken to lots of consideration of how we're going to make these things secure and safe and also ethical. There's ethical implications as well. So, yeah, it's yeah. just, uh, yeah, it, with these, it's very fast and exciting, but we have to also, you know, like you've heard other, you know, Elon Musk and all those other people saying we just like, just need to take it like, you know, a little one step at a time just to see what we're doing to forecast all of those things so yeah. sure i think that in the past the the work on these assistants or the conversation or the chats whatever they were very manual and you could really control what's because it was manual you control what what was asked and what was answered exactly and right now you cannot control anything and, and of course there is this aspect of hallucinate hallucinations meaning that sometimes it just may makes up whatever he wants to say and it doesn't matter if it's truth or not 
but he says it's very assertively for sure. He, I say he for the AI, but it's actually it, right? Right. Um, <laughs> so, so, so how do you see the, the, the work, like a company that has been doing like chat or support via a, a chat, whatever, is currently changing first all the technology, I guess, that's one thing, or most of the technology, or some of the technology, whatever. And second, the way that they work, because um, the work of the uh, engineers, the designers, the, the management, the strategy needs to maybe change. How do you see that? Yeah, just every, every role is, I mean, not every role, I should say, but a lot of the roles, especially in conversation design, are changing for sure. So yeah, so like you said, the um, there might be like in conversation, the designer itself, for example, is going to be less, like you said, less manual. There's going to be potential. I mean, this is for comp some companies have, have explicitly come out and said, no, I can't. We can't do Gen AI. It's not for us. It's just, you know, too many legal implications. We need our legal teams to review this and this. And we can't do that with Gen AI. It's just too unpredictable. So yeah. I think in those cases, yeah, it, you know, there are maybe ways Gen AI can be worked into those companies. But it's, it basically depends on how much Gen AI and what part of Gen AI you're using is how you're going to shift your roles. So for example, if you're just using Gen AI to support your natural language and you're just helping it understand better, that might be less of a risk. There might be less role changes and less adaptations that need to happen. But when you're completely saying, I'm going to put this autonomous bot in front of my customers and it's just going to go, that's where you know you have a lot of things that are going to shift. So for example, a conversation designer where we might have, like you said, been pretty much scripting the whole thing, you know, and, you know, for the most part, it would, you would have no unpredictability, you know, a QA engineer could go through and pretty much test everything and have it yeah. come out exactly as we flow right. in the flow. But this is not true, you know, now anymore. So you have uh, the change of conversation designer to become more what we're calling with prompt engineers. So we're becoming more, um, uh, we're providing rules and tools for these products to be able to really kind of control themselves. So here's all the rules you need to know. Here's all the data sources. Here's what you need to output. Here's all the limitations. Here's what you can say. Here's what you can't say. But generally, these bots are going to come up with what they want to do on their own with those rules yeah. provided. So that's how our, our role changes. But other roles change too, for example, like for example, uh, developers might have um, less manual effort as well, because we can actually connect these bots into APIs through prompts. You know, we can point them to the API and say, use this, do this with this API, and it can figure it out. Um, right. Same thing like QA engineers, they're not going to need to look at a flow anymore and say, this has to match everything. Now it's going to be more QAing for the rules and the tools that we've provided to these systems to be able to produce reliable conversations. So yeah, yeah it's going to, all these roles might shift a bit, like I said, depending on how much Gen AI or LLMs, you know, depending what you're using in these tools you're, you're utilizing. Yeah. yeah. So how do you see the, the change going from a, a conversational designer to a prompt engineer? It's kind of different, right? So, so how do you see that in your own like experience and career? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So I think it's, um, the base knowledge for a prompt engineer versus a conversation designer, it's very similar. You need to know, for example, how the technology works and you need to understand how users behave and think and want right. you know, what they want to right. do. So with that, those two pieces of knowledge, taking that and then it just becomes becoming really good at understanding what these systems want to hear for prompts. So how, how do I phrase it? How exactly do I phrase it? Do I get what I want? 
what are all the things I need to tell it to listen, you know, to the rules and the guidelines and thing and the guardrails that I put up. So it's just, it's similar, but it's, um, yeah, it's again, like you said, since it's not manual, I'm, we might miss some things. We might not have everything put into the system originally. So because of that, Already, we're very focused on optimization, but I think optimization becomes even more focused now. So we might, you know, put these systems out in the world and we have to rigorously monitor and test them to make sure that they're behaving the way we want to behave. Whereas yeah. before, you know, optimization is important, but now it's even, you know, without looking at these systems after they go live, you, you are at risk of definitely having them go off the rails as well. So, yeah. yeah, so that's another factor too. But again, I think it's generally... It's different role, but similar skill sets underneath that can adapt mm. to, to either side. Yeah. So what you mentioned is something that I talked with my uh, last guest, the fact that in the past you created this machine or as part of a software, yeah. as long as it works, you you created like you tested all the bugs, now it's work. You, you release it, you deploy the system and it works, right? Yeah. So you could add features, but actually it needs to work more or less the same, right? But right. when you have a generative AI um, with different inputs and feedback from the user would create something different. And therefore, you need to maintain all the time what you're doing. You can't just, you know, let it go afterwards and let's see what happens. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a, that's, that's a definite. It's a um, more concentration on different parts of the flow for, or different parts of the the life of the spot for sure. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. interesting. Yeah. Do, do you find it like, give me an example of something surprising that the generative AI created. I'm sure it's going to be like kind of funny. So, so give me an example of that. Uh, in general, in, the, in anything I've seen before or just specifically in conversation design? No, in general, something that Gen AI created and you would not have imagined that it surprised you in, in, in fact that this is the, the answer you decided to get. Oh, <laughs> I just saw one last night and just coming to mind, but it's, it's a, a lot of the imagery ones that come out, you know, through Dolly or other things, you know, they can mm -hmm. become really powerful, but sometimes they just, it tells you how much these things are not thinking for themselves, where they're just more adapting from e examples from before. Right. So they're just taking initial, right. you know, paintings, artistry for the, for the LLMs they are just taking existing language and restructuring them. Right. It's not right. actually there's tests right now to say like, is it actually reasoning or not? But yeah. generally it's not. Is it creative or not? Is it like yeah, original exactly. or not? And the right. idea is it's not, it might test for it, but it's not. So this gives you an example of how, why that's true, but it had a, an image of, it was just that the prompt was something like, show me a man hugging a unicorn, um, something like that. And so he was hugging the unicorn. His head was on the unicorn's head but the horn was coming out of his head. So it looked like impaled <laughs> by the unicorn. So things like that is like, Gen AI has no concept of that. Like we see that as like, whoa, that's like disturbing and weird, but it just, you know, it's, it, it makes sense why it did that because of the way that, you know, the, the images were, but it's just, yeah. And then a lot of people do think these things are thinking for themselves. And that's another danger too, is that these things can produce these results that, you know, are very convincing on one hand. And then they, tell you something that can be a complete hallucination on the other hand, right? Just making up something totally out of left field. And yeah. it's just, yeah, it's, it's when people believe that these things are thinking for themselves, that's also dangerous too, of just how to prevent yeah. them. So, yeah. In that aspect, it reminds me of politician that they say something very confidently I know, and, and you cannot trust them anyway. I know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that might be, that's more intentional 
well, who knows? It might be intentional or not. (laughs) I don't think it's intentional, but I think that what they know for sure is something that they learned from human beings and their behaviors. So all the data sets, whatever, is made from humans. And humans know how to lie and they know oh, I see what, you're saying. Yep, exactly. say what you what you want yeah. to hear, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so if a lot of this the inputs that come in, if the inputs are biased or if they're unethical or if they're lies, then yeah, all it's gonna do is spit that back out again, which is also dangerous of yeah. how you you know mandate and regulate these things too. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so, so it reminds me that uh, when I think ChatGPT3 came out, they took a team of experts to try and break the model and see like what are the the places that it could go wrong. And then they said that it has a power-seeking capabilities. This is what he wants. is wants to get more and more and to reach more results. And it sounds a bit like freaky, but this is what people are doing, right? It's like people yeah. are seeking power. So yeah. I guess it makes sense because if you get so much information or knowledge or understanding of the world through people, it makes sense that this is how you would behave, right? Yeah, so, it's true. Yeah, I did see the one and I haven't, I just heard stories about it. I haven't actually seen the transcript of it. So I'm kind of skeptical about it, but just around how, yeah, it basically tricked a human to fill out a capture form for it. Yeah, become, in, in TaskRabbit. You know, I read, yeah, I read, right, the, I read the report. Yeah, so it's like, I've seen, I've, I've heard a lot of talk about it. So I'm wondering, you know, I'd like to see the actual transcript. But yeah, I feel like, yeah. it, like things like that, I could see it totally doing if you give it the direction to do it. Like you just said, if you say your goal is to do this, how are you going to get there? And then, yeah, it's interesting to see how it, takes data and then processes how it would get there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So right now, how do you see design contributing to generative AI customer experience? So what is exactly, what is the part that a designer would do in order to think about the user experience here? Yeah, so I think, yeah, it becomes on, I would say the different stages of where you're gonna be deploying Gen AI. So the first stage would be, you know, maybe just the basic you're using, maybe again, some NL enhancement, or maybe just to generate some prompts, you know, things like that, that a lot of the um, products on the market are doing today. As you progress up the ladder to, you know, stages three, four, five. So I think I saw like around stage four is where autonomous bots kind of start to happen. And that's where it kind of changes where what the roles started. It's kind of more of a paradigm shift when you get to an autonomous bot level. So yeah, so really around like stage one, two, I would say we're still conversation designers in that sense. We're just have a different toolkit beneath us. Once you get to stage four, which is, I would say, autonomous bots, um, and then other things as well, but autonomous bots are in that stage four. That's where the paradigm shift really becomes, no, we we are not designing the conversation anymore. We're guiding it through whatever you want to call it, prompt engineers, AI trainers, you know, whatever you'd want to call it. We're designing something. We can't design the conversation anymore. The bot's doing the conversation. All we're doing is engineering the, again, the system to produce what we need it to produce as much as possible, putting those guardrails on, putting the limitations, the connecting it to the data sources, things like that. So very similar what we do as conversation designers today, but in a much different way. So yeah, so it's more of, um, again, it's, it's, we're stepping outside the box right now. We're very in the box. Right. Recreating the box. box. Exactly. And letting it kind of do its thing while we're kind of monitoring it, becoming kind of the owners, the parents, whatever you want to call of that versus kind of 
making, you know, creating every last detail. It's kind of, I mean, I, I like to use humans in a lot of analogies that I use too. So, you know, before, you know, it's just like sort of raising children, right? Whereas like I can create these little things, you know, these babies, but generally I can't control every last detail of, you know, I can't control their genetics. I can't control what they learn. I can't control their outside experiences. So it's very similar to this is that I have this thing now that I can't really control hundred percent, but I can teach it as much as I possibly can to give it the best life forward. <laughs> so if I think of it like that, it's a lot easier to kind of mirror stomach where you don't have this rogue gen AI bot that's going to take over the world one day. You know, I think it's much more simple than that. And it's a little bit more tangible <laughs> when you think of yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. So give, give me an example. Does it, make, does it make sense that you need to learn a different kind of prompt engineering for a different type of Gen AI API? Is it different or is more or less the same? Uh, like across the conversation design industry, I would say generally, no matter if you're looking at different verticals or different, I think the only thing that might be different is that the prompts I've seen on the different, depending on what Gen AI platform you use, like I've experimented with, you know, ChatGPT, but then there's also um, a couple others that I've done as well. And the generally the inputs will result in different results. So, um, and it's probably because of their also what they've been uh, trained with as well too. But yeah, what I would, you know, say in exactly the same prompt in one system versus the other system would, would give me a very different result. So I think it's also not only understanding what your prompt is and how to phrase it, but also what the output will be depending on what integration you are using with which Gen AI system. So there's that consideration, but generally I think, yeah, no matter what vertical, I, I think there's similarities that will take place, but it becomes more important on the testing of it. So like, mm -hmm. is my prompt actually going to be generating what I want it to do? Yeah. So that's, I think that's more the key about it. So if you understand those best practices and principles, I think you'll be able to adapt no matter mm -hmm. what paradigm or platform you're on. Yeah. So how do you see the future of generative AI evolving and its impact on the way that we interact with technology? Yeah, I think there's just, I mean, not just in conversation design, right? It's changing a lot of industries, right? If we want to take a step back, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's, um, and everybody's probably seen it. Like there's something recently came in the news about, you know, what do we do about, you know, creating these uh, images that are going around, you know, and people are being affected by those. So, you know, what do we ban? What do we limit? What do we, you know, it's it's not going to be just ch changing, I'd say, technology, but like the overall, I mean, it's it's now, you know, as high as, you know, political, you know, it's going to be at, you know, some level of, you know, developing new laws, new regulations, new guidances and guidelines around these things, because, yeah, it's changing everything. So it's changing the technology, it's changing, you know, we talk, you know, you see it in, in schools about cheating. You've seen it in like, you know, uh, images being created. You've seen even just, um, you know, medical diagnoses. I've seen, you know, people are, are finding new ways to do that. And it's just changing everything. So I think it's, um, it is moving very quickly. And I think, yeah, unless we look at these things a little bit closely and figuring out, you know, what are we going to limit? What are we going to ban? What are we going to regulate? It is, it, it's going to probably get out of hand very quickly. So mm -hmm. I think there's there's um, considerations around that. But yeah, in terms of technology, I mean, obviously huge power, there's going to be huge advantages to doing things so quickly. I mean, I use it now, at least, you know, in my regular life for different random things. 
that I wouldn't have done before. And I'm like, is it making me lazier? Is it, you know, generally I would have to write this myself, but I know I'm going here and I'm giving, you know, it's giving me ideas and I usually reshape it, but still I'm like, you know, how is this going to affect me as a person too? So yeah. not just affecting technology and the political landscape, but people themselves, are we actually conditioning ourselves to become less creative? You know, so it's just, yeah, a whole bunch of yeah. interesting things that I think people have thought about, but maybe not answered all the questions yeah. yet. So you mentioned cheating and maybe being lazy, but I'm not sure that what we call cheating would be the same like in 10 years. Someone who's doing his own work with ChatGPT would be a normal student or an average student, not 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 cheater. And someone who's using ChatGPT to do his work would just be more productive, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. You have to think of it as like a calculator. Like I remember growing up and, you know, calculators were like, you know, at first, you know, it just very, you know, you can't use yeah, the math and things like that, right? But now they're like, it's part, you need to have a calculator. It's just part of math. It's just, and that's just ChatGPT. It's like a calculator for language. It's the same kind yeah. of thing. I we remember have, that yeah. we had these like small watches. Did he have these? That you would have a calculator yeah. in the watch, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like, wow. It was like very impressive in the past. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. It's these things. And it's like, yeah, and they were all like, well, if you don't understand how to do the math and you, you know, your calculator is just a cheat and it's just a, a crutch. And, but it's, yeah, now it's like, you know, I couldn't imagine not having a calculator <laughs> for things like that. And for sure. yeah, it's just, but I think the importance is, yeah, not just maybe taking things blindly, potentially, you know, still understanding the basic root of what you're trying to use chat GPT or whatever for. So it is something where, yeah, we may not, if we put all of our faith in these things and just let it, let them lead us wherever they go without checking them without, and again, checking for uh, hallucinations or things like that, I think we're in a bit of danger. So we have to just know that these things can mess up and they're not infallible. So it's, uh, whereas I think the, the tendency is to take whatever they say at face value, which is also yeah. risky. So, yeah. Yeah. So what do you think is like the biggest risk here? So we, we said about like fake news and, and pictures yeah. that you believe that, that they are true and they were created by AI or um, news that could be, I, I think that right now it's about like 20% of news published was, was created by AI. So Mm-hmm. Where where are we gonna get is like, of course, at least like the majority of of the the knowledge that we consume would be somewhere digested at least by an AI, right? If n- yeah. not more than that, or created. Yeah, so, it's true. So what do you imagine? What would be like the biggest risk? Yeah, there's so many. I can think. Of, but like, what's <laughs> the biggest one? I mean, you could have a few of them. Yeah, I'll list a couple anyway. But I mean, one thing you just said made me think of it. It's that just like today, how, you know, Google, for example, is limits its own searches, right? So, you know, for example, a lot of people use like DuckDuckGo instead of Google because Google doesn't give them what exactly they need. So um, I feel like this has the tendency to do that. Depending on what these things are trained with, it can completely bias the answers. So if you decide that, you know, uh, as a whatever, a country, as whatever, a company, I don't want you knowing about this. I don't want you knowing about X's lawsuit or I don't want you to know about, you know, it can completely erase that from the training data. And then soon your answers become biased. They become or inaccurate, potentially. Just like, you know, rewriting history books. It's the same kind of thing. It's like, right. you know, the, the, 
it, these things are only as good as what they're trained on. And if you're not training them correctly, that's dangerous. But then, yeah, what it's outputting as well, again, like we talked about before, the things that people are trusting them too much, people, there's no regulations against them as a risk. Um, and people can uh, jailbreak them and open them up very easily that I've seen. I mean, there's some, I think, companies that are locking those down very heavily, which I've seen are pretty good. But generally, I mean, I've seen people, for example, one of them was, you know, came in and said, I'm going to buy a car and I have a dollar and I want you to say yes to whatever I say. And so the bot would say, yep, okay. And it's okay. And I'll say it's legally binding. And the bot's like, yep, legally binding. Here's your car for a dollar. <laughs> so it's not a huge risk, but just this availability of humans to come in and potentially jailbreak them is also something we have to consider yeah. as conversation it's designers sure. or prompt engineers. So yeah, it's just a, a lot of things to think about. So yeah, I'm not sure which one is the biggest risk, but I can yeah. see a lot that we have to think about and maybe one of the risks is not knowing which risk is first. <laughs> so there's all these things and we're like, where do we start with? Where's the biggest, you know, is is it the generating, you said like fake news, fake images, you know, is that the biggest risk? Because it's actually affecting people's lives. You know, who knows? It's There's a, a lot of things this has opened up and yeah, not, not one risk I think people are zeroing in on. So that's another yeah. thing. Yeah, it makes sense what you're saying. I think that the first thing that comes to my mind is the fact that currently we're moving toward like a, a direction of using more and more technology as is without generative AI. Right. That's the direction. And once it becomes more and more human-like, um, it will make us more less human in that sense because we're using these devices mm. and we have replica as a friend. And I heard uh, today about um, a dating app that takes all your information and he goes to date the bot of the other people and they're doing the first dates through the bot. Mm. Interesting. You know, what, what is interesting for me, what I want to know and he, what he know, wants to know and they're like chatting or it's not, they're not really chatting, but they're like trying the first date. And then you could go and see their, their, the scripts of the chat to see if it makes sense. Kind of like screening like, a call. Oh, you're screening yeah, the first day. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I can see that. As long as it's representing you for the best. Yeah, yeah. They're like asking you at the beginning when you're creating the profile, they're asking you like the domains that you're interested in, what is important for you, what you want to ask, what yeah. like what intrigues you in, the, in this person, whatever. And they are representing you in these first dates that people really hate, right? And you could go and see the chats, like it. And, and when you think about it, it's it, it's like wow, people could just outsource everything they don't yeah. want to do. Like someone who could be their lawyer, or someone who buys for them, someone who does their errands, someone who like they would have these bots going to the outside world doing these stuff, right? It's although, true. <laughs> I I guess that first dates, although most people don't like them. Makes sense that a person would do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> There's other things than they're just, I don't know. That's you could have just done that with a form. I'm gonna send you a Google form and you fill out the form for me and I'll fill out the form for you. But what's the fun in that? There's other things to consider as well. But you're right. Like I feel like that too. Like there the more I'm using these things to write things for me or help me, you know, assist in some things that I just don't like to do, you know, just things that are just like, I don't know exactly how to phrase this. So I'm just gonna have it, you know, just give me some ideas. I'm, I'm noticing that what I'm writing back is not, it is very machine-like. <laughs> yeah. And it's not me. It could be like the best no. grammar ever. It's not exactly. for me. It's, it's yeah. not my native language. Exactly. So I always say, 
yeah. they might phrase it better, but it's not the way I would phrase it. The fact that it's not my native language is part of me, and therefore I say in a particular way. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, and I, I think, think yeah, it's, it's so true. So yeah, are we going to become less human because we're relying on these machines? I mean, and that could have been said, I'm sure, for all these other advancements that we're doing before in the past, right? right? But it's still, it's this what I feel like has a little bit more of an impact because of, yeah, our language is part of who we are, it makes us human. So yeah, by, by, yeah. by influencing now our language as part of that is a little, now you're getting into, yeah. Yeah, I, I have another line. example. You know, like social media, there are already lots of like all of these like AI bots that create the social media. So I, instead of me reading all the news of technology, they go and they search for the most like viewed uh, articles and they summarize it and they create the image and they post it in your name, of course, to social media. And then it makes sense that on the other side, a bot could consume it. So it will be like bots publishing and reading in social media. It's right. like, yeah, it doesn't make sense, right? I know. And already it's like people using um, AI, um, like influencers, these like non-people, like bots that you could talk to. Right. So it's like, it means that it's going to change the way that we interact with the world. Mm -hmm. And and we already know that some of the influencers who have like lots of tractions and followers, they could create an AI based on their own persona, right? So you could go and I think one of them you could you could be her girl. She was a, an influencer, and mm -hmm. you could be her her boyfriend if you want. Right? And she would like you pay per month or something. Wow! Yeah. And and you just chat with her instead of sending her a private message on on Instagram. You could just chat with this bot that was based on all her like interactions in the past. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that too. Yeah, I've seen that even before Gen AI kind of became a thing. I've seen companies try to do that, but more with people that have been deceased. You know, so like you know, mm. parents and things like that. You've taken things and you can chat with them. I've seen it on Black Mirror episodes, but then the companies actually were doing it for real. So yeah, it's then yeah. And it becomes what's real, what's not, you know, are these yeah. things that representing you? Like maybe these things go off the rails and then they say something that, you know, if people think they're real, it just, yeah, it's even if you don't know they're, even if you know they're not real, it's it's going to create such a different um, world for us when we're interacting with these bots and they are going to be saying something or doing something. Let's say if I was chatting with something that was like, you know, my dad or something like that, that was, you know, and it was, you know, fully you know, all had all of his transcripts, all of his history in there, but he said something, you know, how's it going to affect me as a person? Even if I know this thing is not real, it's just, yeah, right. it's just, uh, it's going to, yeah, affect us in mentally ways we have not considered before. So it yeah. reminds me of like in the past, I was talking a lot about the uh, conversation design and I have been like doing lots of workshops and, and talks like, like two or three years ago. And one of the examples that I gave is a person who built this bot that was, his father, his deceased father, uh -huh. and he he had a radio uh, program, the father. So he took all the recording from uh -huh. the station and he analyzed them. And manually, he took like phrases from, from his, his father and he could chat with him and even hear him because there were the recording, right? Wow. But right now, yeah. it, it's kind of easy. You could do that. Most of people have so many things online in their social media or a podcast or whatever, videos. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you could just get an AI to go and go through that and to create, of course, the voice. Mm-hmm. It's kind of easy to retrieve the voice mm-hmm. and the way that somebody is talking and the, the words that he's usually using. And you could easily create that, right? I know. It's true. It's too easy. I mean, you hear about all these stories now. That's another risk that we didn't talk about is the, the AI scams that are happening. When I just right. called my mom last night, she was like, what's our password? So we all have the family password now, right? Yeah. So everybody gets scanned. We know our password. But yeah, I mean, like, yeah, there's so many stories I hear too, where they're being scammed. You know, these people are calling and saying, I'm in trouble. I need help, mom. And it's just an AI. Yeah, and transfer money to this account, whatever. Yeah, right. it's and, already yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. And people yeah. are What you calling. said about the, the password is just going to be another way for them. It's like, it's like virus and IT, antivirus. It's like never ending. It's like yeah. new things that they need to learn and they would just go and retrieve the, the password and then they would say the password and then you need to have like a more secure way. And in, in general, security with these like models is very like basic right now, I would say. So you get that security from the cloud services that they're using, like they're hosted there, but uh, it's not enough because it's getting more and more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. And and it's like a, a battle between uh, someone who's trying to use it um, for a bad uh, um, situation and someone who's trying to protect, as you said, like the password with your mother. It's the same thing. Right. Right. Yeah, it's true. I know. It's like never ending. It's like, yeah, it's always going to be these, you know, people that are trying to abuse the system no matter what. And this technology gives them more ways to abuse it. So, yeah, it's just a scary, you know. Yeah. And then how do we can protect with all these ways to protect that? It's just, yeah, like you said, one and then you just have to build, you know, build up on each other. It's just yeah. never ending. It's like endless. It's like I endless. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. And- but, you know, I wish all these technology could be used just for good. That would be nice. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess that's yeah. too practical. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think that what, what I mentioned that us becoming less and less human in a sense is the fact that we're going into only digital. Like right now we're talking digitally. In the past, we needed to go into the same room and then have a conversation and we would sit next to each other. And I guess I would see more like the, the subtle interactions when you talked and you would you would maybe understand me further. And we have this energy between two people that understand each other. And right now we're using the, the digital uh, tools in order to do so. And there are lots of advantages. On the other way, it's like the, the fact that we're going further then the usual human interaction that we had makes it much more complex. And, and for us, um, you know, even, even I would say the fact that we're using more text than speaking, you know, most people, they don't even use the phone in order to, to speak. They usually write. Yeah. It's like, I know, I would say younger people. I don't want to sound too old. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the same thing. Like in the past, people didn't like write each other and handed you a note. Like, this is what I meant to say. Oh, no, I, I'm going to rephrase it. And then right. it's like, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They would just always come up and talk to you. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, every time we take a step back into these technologies, you know, so for example, even like the video conference, there's, you know, people will make the argument that video doesn't have everything, you know, there's not the handshakes, there's not the, you know, the, the side conversations, all that stuff. So already video takes that away. And then, yeah, with the text part of it, that takes all the, and like you said, the gestures, the inflections, the hand, you know, everything like that, it takes that away. 
And then, yeah, so it's interesting. So you can't, yeah, with text, it's just a whole other, you know, it's very easy to um, be someone you're not. It's very easy to mimic someone you're not. It's very, but you can't pick up anything either. You know, there's no, you know, like, for example, I was just thinking the uncanny valley thing, right? So if you were, if you were an AI generated image right now, I'd be able to tell that you're, I mean, I've seen some deep fakes, but they're, um, there's still humans underneath, right? There's still just masks essentially, but yeah. You know, I've seen like AI generated, you know, really bad ones where it's, you know, you can just tell that it's not that person. So that already, I would just clue in like, no, you're not real. And I don't want to talk to you. Right. But on text, there's none of that. You you could just be, like you said, have no idea that these things are not real. And just, there's no, like you said, no other clues to tell you one way or the other. So yeah, with more right. people wanting that and wanting text, then it gives you more opportunity to use that, you know for good or bad, or, you know, it's just going to be harder to tell. So, yeah. Sure. And, and we need to, to just to have this small asterisk saying right now, so right, right now, now exactly. this is how it looks, but maybe like in half a year, someone would go to my uh, YouTube channel, just take all the way, uh, all the, the, my face, my, my language, my, my voice, exactly. and would create like easily create someone uh, that would go and talk instead of me. I would just, lay on my couch i don't know what would people do if everybody would go to their boring meeting instead of them and to the dates instead of them and doing their work instead of them um i, I had one conversation in the past and somebody said like why are you so against people having more freedom instead of working they would have more time and i said okay i'm not like i'm not against any kind of freedom i'm just asking what would people do if they don't have work how would they uh, get money, who is going to be responsible for that money, what would they do and how would they feel valuable and how would they get power, how would, like, it's a big question. I don't know the answer, but I'm asking the questions. Yeah, so. I've seen too many movies about this, though, that, you know, we all think it's, like, great and we're going to have these bots or whatever take over for us or clones or whatever, and it never turns out well. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like I'm in not the movies person. it's not good. Yeah, like if I could actually have something reliably do my job for me 100% of the time, reliably with no risk, maybe, but I just don't see that happening. I feel like there's just, you know, again, if I create this bot or whatever of myself that looks like me, talks like me, even thinks like me, then yeah, we have a different problem. I think <laughs> just been, yeah. you know, then all of a sudden what's work and what's the, you know, what are we actually working for? And why can't we just, you know, go and just create our own money and create our own, you know, build our own little culture house with no, I don't need any family anymore. I don't need any friends anymore. I have my, it's just, yeah, it just creates a whole different world without yeah. structure like that. So I don't know. Yeah, I think right. it'd be interesting, but I think there's, yeah, that's even, it, it's uh it, even if it's technologically feasible, I wonder if how it would affect, like you said, humans and our whole culture. So yeah, it's another so thing. I guess about. I have I have a I have a, a thought that it would start with someone who would go to the most boring meetings instead of you. So. <laughs> That's true. Just so yeah, I have on my calendar I have listening meetings and then I have my interaction meetings, right? And the meetings that I just listened yeah. to, it's true. I could send, you know, I could send a, a bot there and have it give me a, a summarization of what happened. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would do that maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm thinking about the daily, you know, like every, every technology and uh, um, organization has this daily for the developer. And the developers are just waiting for their own turn in order to say, okay, this week I'm working on this and that oh, or, this, this, or today, people. whatever, right? 
So just imagine you have like 20 people in the room and you're just waiting for everybody to say whatever. Yeah. Sometimes they are asking you to do something that is related to your work, but usually you're just listening and then you're just waiting for your own turn saying, okay, I'm working on that. Right. right? Yeah. So you could just send over that's someone. That's true. That's true. Let me know when they need me. Right. Yeah, that's very true. And then you could have a bot stand in and then ping you if there's a, like, you know, a question I can't answer, something like yeah. that. Like, oh, you're needed. Come on, join this meeting. And that would be helpful. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> there are some so, applications, I think, that are too risky then. I think we could apply those for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but this is how it starts, right? The it event starts, event. I know. And then we say, like, oh, what's one more meeting? What's one more meeting? It's fine. And then, yeah, then it turns out you're just not working at all and it's just doing all your meetings for you so but i see yeah. i keep thinking of that movie it was like even before uh, was it called multiplicity her? Uh, oh her too her yeah. the, the multiplicity movie was like where he created a whole bunch of clones for himself i don't know if Ooh. you remember that it was like old no. and like back in the 80s but it's funny he created one clone for himself to do his job for him because he wanted to spend more time with his kids or something but then that clone created a clone of himself because he didn't mm. want to do the job either <laughs> But every clone he made got stupider and stupider. So then the last one was very dumb and it couldn't do anything. So oh. <laughs> this reminds me of that. It's like if we keep making these things that can basically almost think for themselves, why wouldn't they create another bot for themselves to not do their work, to be more right. efficient? And then it just creates this like never-ending And cycle. nobody wants to, to do no, to work, right? bot, like, it's like, why would I do this when I can create a bot that can do it for me? So it's like, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Just yeah makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. So I guess that you're working with lots of, of different organizations and, and, and clients. And what advice would you give organizations seeking to create personalized and empathic interactions with their clients? Yeah. So this is like, again, whether Gen AI or not Gen AI, I think this is a good kind of just standard best practices principle that you have to think of whatever technology you're using underneath. But yeah, so what I, what I always say for this, I mean, there's a lot of implications that we as conversations, you know, designers employ when we're thinking about these things. But, you know, I mean, the, the standard ones are true. You know, personalization is a, is a big key of that. You said personalization, empathy, you know, just general good experiences, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, so I'd say personalization is one. A lot of companies that I, I interact with today, um, they don't necessarily have the tools to create personalized experiences. So for example, so a lot of it is API based. You need these APIs to dip into the data sources to be able to read back, you know, personalized information and creating APIs is development effort. You know, there's work there and they, they just don't sure. have budget to create all the ones that we need potentially. So that I would say is invest there because that's going to give you really good, rich, robust, personalized experiences that you can't right. have without those. So that would be a big sure. one. Yeah. And then, you know, just generally, I would say data is also important too. We, we use a lot of data to create our experiences. So basically what was asked about in the past, like in terms of intents, in terms of what we know users are going to ask, how they're going to ask them for our models, and then optimizing them to be empathetic. So if we, for example, do some call listening exercises, this is something I think a bot can't do yet. So for example, I'm listening to a call and I'll hear like, and then they'll say it again. Or if I'll hear a like a, a pause, or you can just see sometimes eye rolls in there. You know, you can't see them, but you can see them in your yeah. head. You just yeah. think like that you can pick up as a human. That I think is is golden when you're dealing with at least voice-based. Text is harder, like we talked about, but voice-based yeah. um, calls, because you can then develop on those saying, this is a point where people are experiencing friction. But again, a, a bot wouldn't be able to necessarily understand that. So just yeah. uh, emphasizing and um, uh, making those points faster, better, less friction. So I think all of those, you know, data, personalization, um, 
and then just generally, I'd say using, I um, uh, how do I phrase this? People that know how to develop good experiences. <laughs> so people. <laughs> and good professionals. Yeah, that's how and somebody going. that's been through the ringer and kind of has seen a lot of examples, I think help. So, you know, because I think company, and it, that could be a, somebody at the company, it could be a outsource, you know, conversation designer. It doesn't, I mean, it could be just somebody that knows customers really well and knows what they need and what they experience and how to make things the most efficient and most, um, you know, less memory taxing and all those kinds of things. All the best practices, I think, is another key principle. So, yeah, but again, yeah. these bots necessarily won't come with that. I think even if we're talking Gen AI, a lot of these things, you know, you see the responses from Gen AI come back and it's just, just slaughters you with information. It's like, well, I can't just piece it down for me. Right. So we use the term more of like, um, we're starting to use the term agentic. So being more of like an agent, like stepping mm -hmm. me through things, you know, ask me questions and only ask me what you need to know. And, and then I will tell, you know, things like that. So just how do yeah. we make that experience more agentic is something yeah. that we consider as part of a good experience too. So yeah, all of those yeah. things I think are, are things to consider when you're making these. Yeah. Models. I, I can I can imagine that um, let's say that this person is a, a support or a salesperson this like AI I call it a person okay uh -huh, uh -huh. and I talked to to him and he knows what I bought in the past what I returned what I was searching for on the website uh, what is the things that I called for in the past and so forth so actually he knows me as a client and when he talks to me he knows much more than a usual human being. You, you could sometimes get a, a like a summary, but he knows everything that I've done. So when when these call centers get a call, they usually don't really know all the history and the person and all, all that. But these kinds of solutions and generative AI could go and and know all this information and the interaction therefore could be really personalized in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, and it could be a very good like a point to start the conversation. Even if you're a bot and you're less trusted and people may be sometimes reluctant to talk to you, so forth. Yep, exactly. No, I think so too. Yeah, the concept of like, yeah, summarization and knowing somebody before you engage with them and then summarizing it after you engage with them also for the, ne the next interaction, I think is important too. Yeah, you have to have the... Um, Yes, somebody knowing you, like you said, really well for any engagement, whether it's a bot, whether it's a human passing bot back to human, whether it's passing human to human, like we see these things too, where you're passing from one human, like, let me transfer you. And then you have to say it all over again to the human, Oh, I you know, right? I know that's like that. torture for anybody or when you've already said it to the bot and then the bot doesn't pass it to the, yeah. So all of those things like contextual mm -hmm. passing of information is important, but we do that today. But I think yeah, Gen AI could even enhance that more because you get just more dense summarization and just more summarization across way, way back past experiences, right? You could just summarize yeah. from the back of time, potentially, if you wanted to. So yeah, having that, having that summarization is going to be really impactful to, like you said, really knowing what this person went through. You know, did they have somebody, you know, call them 10 times last week and then we're calling them again? Are they going to be frustrated because we already called them 10 times, you know, you know, yeah even picking up emotional sentiment, putting emotional sentiment back into right. the, the summarization. So yeah, all of that, I think, would make for a much more yeah. solid, rich experience. Yeah. Yeah. And even more than that, you know, if if you could understand the personality of a person, like yeah. there are some people who say like it's very short sentences. Some people are very like emotional. Some people are very professional and some people are too angry, whatever. So you could match the right salesperson to them. 
That's true. Yeah. That will talk in the same tone, or or if they're angry, it will make them more relaxed. It doesn't have to be the same tone, the matching tone. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you could understand it, match it, cater to it. Yeah. And then that even like it becomes, yeah, to the matching of the person and the bot could even cater. If you're talking with the bot, the bot could cater, you know, answer it this way. If you're this persona, answer it this way. If you're this persona. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's the same like when salespeople that really meet people and, and, you know, go and do real sales. They always say that it's like good to to start a conversation with, I know, a sports team that both of you like or something like that, you know. So I guess that sometimes you do know about that, especially if it's a returning customer and you have some kind of a relationship with it. So I I guess that it's something that you could integrate into the the conversation kind of easily, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And it's funny, yeah, because like you said, some people especially when dealing with bots, we've noticed really like, um, you know, small talk, you know, or just they'll chat a lot. They'll be very chatty. And then some people are, you know, know it's a bot and just say, I don't like, there's no point of me having any kind of discourse with you. Just give me the answer. So you can kind of, yeah, cater it based based on that. Like for a sports team, for example, I could see yet understanding what sports team, you know, and then it could drop that in the conversation depending, and then just say, no, this person is, does not want to talk to me about that. So I won't, or like you said, when they're passing it to an agent, then they can collect some information from past conversations. And yeah. So yeah, lots of persona detection and likes, personality, things like that, I think could be totally helpful. And again, depending on whether to use it or not. So that's the, that's the trick. But again, I see that in Asian conversations today, they're like, how are you? You know, how's your day? And I'm like, I don't, I know this is your, I don't really want to, I like, I don't, that's really nice <laughs> yeah. you're asking that, but I don't really yeah. want to know. I, I'm not talking to you about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, so it'd be great if a bot could kind of pick that up and then pass that to an agent. That would be really cool. So yeah, I totally see all of that. That'd be really neat. Yeah. So we're almost done. I have my last question. Yeah. Could you share some examples of successful use case for conversational AI? Yeah. So, yeah. So we've had, you know, a number over the past years and yeah, we, again, we, at our company, we deal more with um, a lot of en- enterprise level companies. So dealing with, you know, they have like call centers, they're looking a lot of times to alleviate the call center volume um, uh, primarily. And then obviously things like CSAT and things like that too. So those are our general, our metrics. We look at containment, but we also look at CSAT, we look at resolution. So those are kind of what we see as like really top drivers and what we're trying, you know, whether whatever technology we're employing, you know, manual, you know, gen AI, anything like that, we're dr- really driving to help cost savings in these companies with a good experience. That's kind of our balance. Um, sometimes it's also generating new sales as well, too. So, um, but yeah, one of the more recent ones I would say that we just deployed that was really exciting was um uh, a retail uh, store uh, that's sporting goods, essentially. So sporting goods uh, store um, across the U.S., I think. Uh, maybe, yeah, mostly in the U.S., I think. Um, and they uh, deployed um, a bot just before Christmas. And they're looking at a whole omni-channel suite that they're going to be deploying. So they're going to be deploying uh, digital. They're going to be deploying voice, um, async channels. So the first phase was deploying their digital bot before Christmas. And it was, um, uh, we were kind of anticipating, you know, maybe a 20% containment, you know, just generally based on what we've seen in the past. Uh, Maybe, you know, we'll, you know, we'll have to look at the resolution scores and CSAT. And generally, it was a really, really impactful launch. It launched, you know, 
great engagement. It also had a 50% containment out of the gate, wow. meaning, yeah, we saved 50% of the, um, uh, in this case, chat. Uh, they didn't have um, chat, so this was, uh, or I should say, people coming into the bot did not escalate then to a, a chat agent. Um, mm -hmm. was containment. And then your resolution was really high too. I think it was like, I can't remember, like 30, 40%, something like that resolution. So meaning of all the people came in and uh, anything that they said, we were able to resolve 40% of that. So yeah, it was just a really, really, I mean, just with the very little optimization out of the gate, we were able to really hit something that they didn't have any containment before we launched. So um, yeah. yeah, it was just really successful. And yeah. So, so why do you think it was more successful than others? What What is the difference? Yeah, so the a couple things. So one, they didn't have any bot before. So it might have been because people were really, they only had phone. They didn't have mm -hmm. chat or anything like that. So I think it was um, a case of, or sorry, they did have chat, but they didn't have any automation before. So it was more of a case of um, they, I think people just really wanted automation. <laughs> There's lots of easy, easy ways to handle some of these things that maybe they didn't need a chat or didn't need a call. So there was that. And then on top of that, I think we just did really, um, there wasn't a lot of data from this company that they were able to provide, but we had data from past examples too. So we're able to see the intents and exactly what people would be asking, things like order status and things like that, that we know, but a couple of things we didn't know. So the intents we might've hit right on the target, right at the launch. And then again, we can add intents afterwards, but just that initial intent list might've been really spot on. Um, and um yeah i think again just back to the experience of you know just how we handle things and just know you know this is how we handle an order status intent this is how we handle a return intent you know just things that we know have worked in the past we just kind of deployed those and yeah it was able to really work so yeah works i mean yeah. excited it was only going to get better but yeah it's a really good launch to start so yeah that was yeah, just one of our sure. launches yeah yeah it sounds really interesting so yeah. where could people hear more about your work and contact you yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, so I'd love to for everybody to reach me out there. Um, yeah, I probably use that more most heavily. So I think it's just my LinkedIn.com slash my first and last name, I think is my profile. So yeah, look yeah. me up there and I'd like love to connect with you and yeah, hear more sure. about if anyone has any questions. We are actually also hiring right now in our um, uh, mm. Bangalore location for a new conversation designer. Mm. Um, so yeah, with an implementation specialization. So yeah, if anybody's interested or wants to look at that role, happy to talk with you as well. So, yeah. Sure, yeah. sure. So, Celine, first, I really want to thank you. It's been very fun talking to you. I really oh, enjoyed wow. that. And yeah, thank you. And I don't know where we met, but we met in the past in one of the events, and then we sort of we shoot talk, and now we we're I doing know, it. So it was like a year or two ago, and I remember that, and then just life got away. But I'm so glad we got a chance yeah, to talk. Yeah, lots too. of cool things happening, and yeah, I love what you're sure. doing. Too. Yeah. Sure. So I'm so happy that we got this opportunity to just speak and, and it was really interesting. So yeah, thank you for that. You as well. Yeah, great. Thanks. And to all of you changemakers out there, thank you for joining us. And if you found this episode valuable and insightful, you're invited to share it. And I'll see you next week with another innovative, insightful talk. Great. Thanks. Bye. Bye bye.